Welcome to Bitverse Byte, a weekly podcast about the web industry, tools and techniques upcoming and in use today. My name is Adam Listek, a web developer from Northern California and Central Illinois. And welcome back. Uh, I've been off the air, per se, for a few weeks now. The main reason was because my equipment broke, uh, but thanks to my lovely wife, I am able to record again. But it did give me the opportunity to kind of think over what I want to do with the show and uh, some better ideas or ways or things to try. So nothing that's too drastically changed here yet. Um, but I did kind of want to break up, you know, a, a little bit how I do the various, um, you know, shows that I am. Uh, the main reason being is that, you know, I, I would do traditionally kind of one topic, but there's always more that I'd like to talk about, but I am trying to keep it in this 15 minute range of a show. So what I'm going to try to do is kind of three different segments, um, a, a little bit of news, um, some useful links and tools and stuff that I find during the week, uh, and then also uh, a little bit more on a specific topic, kind of like what I was doing before. So moving on to the next segment, um, I, I, I have a number of links and things that I found of interest. Um, I've mentioned multiple times on the show a product called Notion. Um, I am obviously quite in love with it. Uh, it is a documentation um, tool, though that's putting it mildly. Uh, they just did a very large 2.0 release. Um, nothing groundbreaking in terms of design of it, but the functionality is drastically increased with something they have been promising, which is tables. So up to this point, you know, I just been assuming that when they, you know, tables are going to do something like Evernote did, which was way to make tables in your notes, but just easily. Um, but they went above and beyond, and every table that you add in there is actually backed by a database. Uh, so what that means is that it's kind of like Excel, and you can do formulas and related um, fields and some calculated stuff and various field types. They have a couple different views, like calendar and uh, Trello-style Kanban board-type views. Um, and they're just getting started. Uh, so I've already changed up a number of my uh, documentation pages to use these, uh, and it's pretty phenomenal. I know right up next is Android app for them, so everyone's pretty excited about that. And any number of improvements coming soon, I'm sure. So if you haven't looked into them at all, check them out. They're pretty awesome. A little useful tool that I um, uh, saw that I've been doing a lot with fonts lately, so I was interested, something called fontdrop.info, so F-O-N-T drop.info. And if uh, you want to see a bunch of useful information about a font, such as its X height or what ligatures and open type features it supports, this is a great tool. You basically just drag and drop the font onto it, it'll upload it, and it'll give you a ridiculous amount of information on it. Uh, I've been doing a lot of this kind of stuff recently with um, trying to make responsive typography, and um, which includes like uh, line heights and um, margins and all this to make everything flow beautifully, which is still very hard to do, but getting closer. 
uh, but this is a really useful tool. And finally, the last little tool I want to mention, uh, as I kind of noticed, be you know, mentioned before when talking about Ansible, uh, Grafana actually did a 5.0 release, I think like two weeks ago. Uh, it's phenomenal. Um, they did vastly improved organization setup. Now you can put everything in folders, and it just makes life easier. And the grid system they now use for their um, dashboards and their mono, you know, where you pull your graphs and metrics and meters and uh, stuff like that uh, is really flexible, uh, really easy to change. Um, check it out. It's awesome. Um, and if you're looking for a data source to pair that with, like how do I collect any of this info, uh, Prometheus is something I highly recommend, easy to use, and works well. So kind of on to the last um, thing I want to talk about is kind of a, a specific topic. Um, and so what I wanted to talk about a bit was just a little bit of a discussion on uh, social media changes in general. Kind of what we're seeing, where it's a bit going that I can see, um, you know, and, and some things of interest. So there's this beginning of a large change to how social networks are starting to function, notably after the uh, aftermath of how various entities have taken advantage of their ability to kind of disseminate information really quickly without any real fact-checking. And it's provoking a larger conversation around what, if any, trust we give to the platforms and how we view participation. You know, traditionally it was felt, generally felt, that at a base level you could kind of trust what you were seeing, at least back in the Facebook, early Facebook days. And that was mostly because you're interacting with people you generally know that are within your circles. And so it was, it was on these early days of Facebook where you built up these circles of friends and you can make those judgments of content kind of based on your knowledge of them personally. But with a shift for Facebook, Twitter, and others trying to gain advertising income, they, they kind of need to inject outside entities into our conversation. So it wasn't just our friends that we were seeing on Facebook, for example. We are now seeing, you know, your favorite um, Ford, you know, is a company you might start seeing. And they want to have a conversation with you. I mean, in the guise to build interest in their products, but... How do they become involved in our conversations? And it, it was under this guise of promoting the idea that we could become closer to a quote-unquote more personalized branding experience, but really, therefore, just selling more ads, which, you know, in and of itself is not necessarily bad, but the implications surrounding the necessary sharing of our data and how that is used, especially so on a more personal platform such as Facebook. But with Twitter, for example, this was a little bit less of a challenge because your content was already far more public than on Facebook. And so you just generally acknowledge that you would be interacting with more strangers and that the information could be more suspect, or at least you had to pay a little bit more attention to it. But that being said, you know, Twitter as, you know, recently and very recently has been really trying to foster the idea of conversations that happen in the public sphere but it's still a bit more personal. Since it's so easy, in comparison to Facebook at least, to share a piece of content on Twitter uh, or a piece of news and very quickly to a large set of followers, and for them to reshare that, it can very quickly send information out to a large number of people uh, in the world. And with all this being said, 
the next logical steps, you know, are, are to kind of create clear policies and data sharing practices. But this also kind of leads more to a shift of personal identification of accounts. So the anonymity that was a bit of the hallmark of some of these platforms are becoming less so. And interestingly, this does remind me of what Google Plus tried to do a few years back, kind of a great backlash. They, it was a response to the comments out on the world, and they really wanted to make it harder for bots and uh, the poor discussion to take place. And they did this on YouTube where they've, they've made everyone use their own name and accounts, but they had to, there was a lot of how do they do that effectively? What about people that can't use their real name for various reasons um, or have a pseudonym? Um, but it was a effort to really try to make sure that everyone participating was who they said they were. And it does seem that when somebody is not anonymous, it does tend to give them pause whether or not to do something that might be construed as negative or against the, you know, social norms per se. That being said, plenty still do and ignore that, so it's not as huge a deterrent, but perhaps a small one. So kind of thinking through all of this, and in the end, I, I would really expect a shift towards much more explicit data sharing, opt-ins, and policies. So who, who are you sharing your ads? Who's getting this data, and how can you very easily opt out? Um, and hopefully they don't they ask your permission first before that you even get um, added to those lists. And also a shift towards better user identification. And you're, you're kind of seeing this if only with the, hey, these were, you know, with re recent relevant news, um, like the Russian bots that, you know, you might have been following or any other bots out there. Um, but also the people that you're interacting with on these platforms, are they who they say they are? So I think we're going to see a very interesting shift in the future towards that end, and it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what the, the platforms and the engagement does end up looking like on that. So to kind of kick it off, um, I want to talk about some news and at least things that you know, I consider news. Uh, you know, These might be security-related uh, changes to platforms, uh, new stuff released. You know, that kind of thing. So uh, that, that's kind of mostly what I wanted to talk about. So first up um, is some Twitter changes. Uh, and <laughs> this is something I've been learning a little bit about. Uh, they did post a little while ago about this, but a lot of tools are just now implementing it, if only because I believe the deadline for these changes is or was yesterday. Um, but what they're really trying to do is make changes to the kind of content that is put out there. Traditionally, uh, you were able to take a tool like Hootsuite or um, I use one called Content Studio and to a number of different uh, Twitter accounts, you could post the same content. Now, you might just be doing this to get your information out there. You know, in my case, I, I posted to two accounts because or I think three accounts, because it was, I, I wanted to uh, share my show, but I wasn't able to post to one and then automatically retweet on the others. And really, it's not a 
you know, personally for me, it's not a, like, I'm not trying to spam. It's just, it's a time savings thing where if I can automate doing something I was going to do anyways, it would make my life easier. But going forward, that isn't really what they want you to do. Um, what they'd like you to do is just, you know, tweet on a particular account and then maybe retweet uh, from other ones, but you're not allowed to duplicate content. So what they're not allowing is basically three things. Posting the same or substantially similar content replies or mentions over multiple accounts you control. Creating duplicate or substantially similar accounts with or without the use of automation. And then posting multiple updates either on a single account or across multiple accounts to a trending or popular topic. And that is with an intent to subvert or manipulate the topic or to artificially inflate the prominence of a hashtag or a topic. So really, th where this came from was um, there was a, a number of groups out there that were sharing um, tweet deck lists, um, though it wasn't exclusive to that. And what it would do is a artificially inflate something they were sharing or something they wanted to go viral because each of the accounts had a large number of followers. And what would happen is all of them would, you know, share, retweet across each other, and it would push up whatever content they wanted. And it's really a way to game the system, and so they're trying to disallow that. And really the intent is to create a more organic type of sharing. So really you should only be giving out or sharing content that is relevant um, to your audience. Um, and not just spamming everyone. Uh, but, you know, what is still allowed in some specific instances is cross-posting of outside information, such as weather alerts or an RSS feed that post via automation, though it should still only post that content to a single account. But other applications that broadcast or share weather, emergency, other PSA type of information, they'll allow it, um, mostly probably around security and safety and that kind of thing. Um, so number changes, nothing too crazy, but if you do use automation tools, it does, it makes a big difference because not all tools are the same and not everything allows you to do what you might like to do in case of say automatic retweeting and that kind of stuff. Uh, so you might have to rethink a bit of your strategy, which honestly, I think the strategy makes a lot of sense. Um, and it should be what we're all doing anyways. Um, but as many know, it kind of comes down to, you know, time and effort and, you know, what are you able to spend your time on? and What can save you time? So in this case, we'll just have to change a bit how everyone works. Um, next item that I kind of want to talk about was something that's coming up soon. Um, if you run Drupal, which is a content management system, been around for ages, um, they have let the community know that on March 28th, they're going to be posting the details of a vulnerability. They haven't said what it is yet, but the note is basically it's highly critical. Um, they expect exploits within hours and days. They're backporting um, the fixes all the way back to the 7.x versions, um, which is a big deal for them. So... All in all, there's not much to know about it, but you really need to update as quickly as possible. They advise you to at least get to the latest version before, um, but you know, make sure to be on it for when these updates go, because my guess is 
a large number of sites are going to be exploited very quickly. Uh, finally, out of news, uh, things that uh, I found interesting, um, Ansible 2.5 just got released. Uh, nothing too g groundbreaking in this, um, but there was uh, a few things that caught my eye. Um, something I've known about for a bit, but you know, if you use Ansible, uh, they have these uh, lookups that are like with underscore like item. Um, they're replacing all of those types of things with just a loop keyword. So you can iterate over a number of items. Um, they are namespacing facts. So uh, previously to this, say you wanted to get the OS distribution, and it's just like a variable that's set to say, hey, it's Windows. Prior to this, it would be like Ansible underscore OS underscore distributions. Now going forward, it's more like a key value type of thing, where it's Ansible underscore facts period OS underscore distribution. What that really means is that everything is under this object of Ansible facts, and you just reference it that way. Organizationally, to me, it makes a lot of sense, but you'll definitely have to update your playbooks and those kind of things if you notice. Um, it also has some great additional functionality around Windows hosts for permissions. It lets you emulate a couple different things, so that will be really good. Um, and it's mostly cloud modules that have been upgraded, but two that caught my eye were um, Grafana modules. If you use that for your dashboards and monitoring, uh, you can do automated dashboard deployments. And they added a little module for OpenSSL uh, DHParam. Um, so if you're creating those types of certificates, um, I do for uh, Nginx, then that might be of interest. So thank you for joining us. I'm happy to be back, and I'm looking forward to continuing this along.